My name is Angela Pelous, and this is my husband, Chris. Um, during this time last year, Harvey came, and we were not prepared. The storm came, and we woke up on water. By the time we noticed, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, so we had no option but to win to the next morning. We actually got pulled out by rafts. Um, well, two, my wife and my youngest got pulled out by a raft, followed by my second oldest kids. And then uh, my fourth boy uh, and I waited for a National Guard truck to come in and take us out. You know, it was tough. It was a tough time for us. It was uh, going into that, we were really struggling with our marriage. Just had celebrated our 13th anniversary when Harvey came. And um, it was definitely the toughest year of our marriage by far. We kind of coasted our first 13 years, and um, but I, didn't, I never thought we'd have the struggles that we had. Um, it was very tough, and I was going to, we were, you know, going through marriage counseling, and the, the the counselor who I was working with actually suggested, Chris, why don't you try, you know, Sugar Sugar Creek? You know, I, you know, you're, you're, God's called you back in, you know, and I feel like Sugar Creek is a place where you can get better growth. You know, we, the first, you know, few um, uh, services I went to, I just really enjoyed it. I felt right at home. Sugar Creek came after Harvey. Uh, when I saw that message that went straight to my heart, um, I just had that calling. And I am just so happy that um, this reconstruction from the core, the foundation of my house, have been rebuilt, and I just want to thank so much uh, all the help and all the growth in faith in uh, the Sugar Creek does with families. Yeah, our marriage has been renewed, like completely. It's uh, better than when we first married, but it's because we finally understand that in order to become one, God has to be the center of it all. And with God in the center, then that true oneness can happen. And that's what God really intends for marriage. And that's what we're experiencing right now. It's just amazing. I need to think every day what I, what I can do to serve Him, what I can do to give back to Him, what I can do to give back to the church, um, to what I can give back to Sugar Creek. The Rich Campaign is like one of our main goals now because the effect that Sugar Creek had, had had in our lives is amazing. And I just want to reach out to others so they can also experience it. Uh, so that's like our number one goal right now. And I encourage everybody to just get involved, um, reach out, uh, volunteer in block parties, um, because we need to make this happen. This, this story is what this entire campaign is about. It's what this church has been about for all these years, of touching the lives of people around us, one person, one family at a time. And isn't it amazing what happened to this family? With Hurricane Harvey coming, they didn't know us, we didn't know them, but this church reached out and touched total strangers, and God used this to impact this 
family's life that came to open their heart to the gospel, open their heart to Sugar Creek, and now look at the difference has happened in their family. This is what this church is about, and this is what we're talking about today. God has made the human species to be so different than any of the other species, the animals and the different species that he created, because inside human beings, he has given us the ability to detect a need and come up with a plan and work that plan out to see a great change happen in our future. No other species has this capability. You're never going to see chimpanzees gathered together and saying, how can we improve the investments of our life? You're never going to see one horse ask another horse, now tell me again, how is it that we're going to get to the moon? No other species thinks like this. It is human beings that God has given to us and a unique ability to understand and to act and impact our future. And it is God who has given to us his vision, the seed of the vision of God. And he has birthed within us an understanding of how do we accomplish the vision of God? How do we work it out? And God, by the power of his spirit and by the leadership of his word, uses us to make a forever difference in the lives of people around us to impact our future for good. And this is what the Reach Beyond campaign that we're doing is all about. We have guests that are with us today. We're so grateful that you're here. And I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a great day. You are going to get the opportunity to see a church in action, a church, understand who we are, the DNA of Sugar Creek to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. Sugar Creek is one church in two locations, two campuses. How did that happen? Well, it is because we filled up these 13 acres, that's all we have, these 13 acres. But we said there is no way God's vision for us can be completed in 13 acres. And so we began to pray, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? How do you want us to respond? And God began to speak to our heart about sending hundreds of our members away to a new campus, to a different campus. And we did that 400 people six years ago. We sent to a new campus, and today that 400 people is now 13, 1400 people, 600 years, six days, six years later. Not six days, not 600 years, six six years later, has become 13 or 1,400 members, averaging 900 in average attendance every Sunday. It is an amazing story of what God did in the life of Sugar Creek Baptist Church. And now, what has happened? This campus at Missouri City today is Commitment Sunday for Missouri City campus because they have filled all their building, and now they are coming together to give commitments to build a new worship center on the Missouri City campus. Yay, God, for this, to reach more people with the cause of, for the cause of Christ. And today, the Sugar Land Campus, us, we've gathered. It is Commitment Sunday for us as well 
because we want to accomplish three goals. We want to eliminate the the last remaining debt of the purchase of that property and building for Missouri City Campus. We want to launch a third campus in Richmond Rosenberg. Why? Because on this campus we have reached a saturation even beyond what we were at six years ago when we sent 400 people away. We've gone beyond that here and we know that within a matter of months, we will begin to plateau as a church, and every church that plateaus declines. And we know that God has a great vision for us beyond this campus. And so we want to ask, we've asked 600 of our members to be a part of a launch of a new campus in Richmond and Rosenberg. And today, we are also collecting $700,000, commitments for $700,000 for Missions Month, and every penny of that will go to missions around the world. All three of these goals that we have established on this campus, $5.7 million to keep reaching people beyond us. And so today, we were... Pastor Libin and Pastor Juan Carlos and I were praying, what do we talk about today? How do we culminate all of this, this campaign that we've been in and draw our heart to what is the main purpose and goal of Sugar Creek? And God gave to us Psalm 102, beginning in verse 18. And I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me, and I want us to read out loud this These five verses we're going to look at today, Psalm 102 and beginning in verse 18, and let's begin with the word let. Are you ready? Here we go. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. And we ask now, Father, you would take these truths and the principles of them, burn them in our heart today, as we take the next step of a church that is about reaching other people beyond us, reaching others for Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you be seated? This passage of Scripture was actually written 600 years before Jesus came by a prisoner of war. A prisoner of war who was taken from Jerusalem all the way to uh, Babylon, 1,000 miles away. He and tens of thousands of other Jews were captive, and they were taken in chains 1,000 miles away by foot all the way to a place called Babylon. And there they stayed as prisoners of war, not 10 years, not 20, but for 70 years. For 70 years, they knew not one of them would ever see Jerusalem again. Their children might, their children's children might 
but they would never be free. This man who is writing this psalm is crying out to God in a sense of helplessness and hopelessness. If you read the beginning of Psalm 102, it is, it is heartbreaking as he cries out and says, Oh God, why is this happening? Why is my life meaning nothing? Why am I going through this? Why are we experiencing this? He is crying out to God, Oh God, do you hear our prayers? But suddenly, something in the passage changes. Suddenly, something happens in verse 18. It is as though... The, the clouds roll back of despair and despondency, and the, the, sh- the hope of God shines. It's as though hope breaks through, and this man totally changes in what he is saying. When he gets to verse 18, he begins to speak of a hope, of a future, of a touching of the lives of the next generation. It is an amazing thing that God has done in his life. Hope has broken through in his heart. And when it has happened, he then begins to say these five sentences for us, these five verses of what God is doing in the generations to come. God is using this passage of Scripture for us today because this passage of Scripture is the heart of this church. This passage of Scripture defines who we have been and who we are. I want you to listen to the instruction and the vision that God gives to us from this passage of Scripture. The first thing that he says to us is, I want you to invest your lives in making a difference for the future. Look at what this man says, Psalm 102, verse 18, let this be written for a future generation. What is so shocking is all the words that he gives before he comes to this verse has been despondency and despair and all hope is lost. But suddenly God has broken open in this man's heart and he understands that God is still on the throne and that God can even use him to impact the next generation. He is in essence saying, I refuse to live and die and make no difference in the world. I refuse to be swallowed up by my pain and my despondency and despair. Oh, God, use me in the next generation. I like this guy. I like this guy. From the time that I can remember as a teenager, there has been one thing that has pulsated in my heart. Oh, God, don't let me live and die without making a difference. I want my life to mean something. I I want to make a difference in the lives of other people. It has been my heart's desire. And I know it's yours. Not one of us want to live and die. And our life has not touched anyone for the next generation and beyond. Let us, by the things that we do, and by the decisions that we make, and by the way we give ourselves away, Let us make a difference in the lives that are coming behind us. Steve Green wrote a song that is, it's called Find Us Faithful, that has meant so much in my life. There have been so many times that I have been so down in the dumps, and when I've heard this song, when I've sung this song, it is a renewed energy that pulsates in my heart. Listen to some of the words that he writes. May all who come behind us find us faithful 
May the fire in our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, oh, uh, oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Amen? May that be who we are. Let the way that we're living and the way that we are giving our lives away touch the future. But to touch the future requires a life of faith. Listen to me. Those people who live their life with and are faithless and visionless never touch this world for good. They never leave a difference in this world. It is the people that live their life by faith and by vision who are the ones that make a forever difference in this world. It is faith. It is the power of faith that God builds within our heart that makes a forever difference in us. So what causes faith to be so powerful in us? Listen to what the Bible gives us is the definition of faith. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. If you take that one verse and you, you do a word study on all the words, and about 30 minutes later, you will come with this bottom line. That what the verse is saying is this, your faith in God's promise to you has just guaranteed you that you will receive that promise. To the degree that we're willing to believe God is the same degree that we will see God's power move in us. Every one of the promises of God's Word require a condition to be met, every single one of them. In order to meet the condition that God has given to us, it requires us to trust and obey. And God is saying in every one of the promises that He's given to us, if you will trust me, if you will obey me, you will be the recipient of what I have promised you. This church has lived out that truth, to walk by faith, to meet those conditions, to trust and obey God every step of the way. There's so many stories at Sugar Creek. I don't know how many dry holes it was for Harry Westmoreland and a group of others from Sugar Creek Baptist Church who began to sense in their hearts years ago in the early 1990s, that God was leading this church to be a part of a ministry of drilling water wells in Kenya for people in third world countries and people in little villages that had never had a drink of cold, of, of clean water. But they began to feel this pull of God to be involved in this ministry. Harry Westmoreland was the guy that was leading the way. How many of you know Harry Westmoreland. Would you raise your hand? There's not many in this room. So many in this room are new, and you, you don't know the story. He is in heaven, but he was, on the, he was the chairman of the pastor search committee that brought me here as the pastor of this church 16 years ago. He's, he's a layman and, and a businessman, and God began to burn in his heart a vision of touching third world countries with clean water, of learning how to drill for clean water. 
And a group of people caught the idea, the vision, went to Kenya, and one uh, drilling hole after another, after another, after another dry hole. And finally, the people were beginning to say, look, Harry, we're never going to find water. We are never going to be successful with this. And Harry Westmoreland said, we're not stopping until we hit water. And the reason is because God had given him a vision, a promise that this would not just hit water here, but that God would raise up a ministry that would touch the world. He kept going and he hit water. And not only did he hit water, but God showed him how he could hit water every time or almost every time. And it raised up a ministry called Living Water International. And that ministry now is touching people all over the world with clean water of those people who've never had a drink of clean water. And not just water, physical water, but the living water of Jesus Christ as the gospel is being shared with them. How did that happen? It happened with a promise. It happened with a vision and a willingness to say, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to be obedient to God. 27 years ago, God began to touch the hearts of many in this church about beginning a ministry called Urban Camp, of touching the lives, the hearts of of at-risk kids in the, the poorest areas of Houston, to care for them, kids that nobody cared about, kids that nobody had anything to do with, kids that didn't seem to have any future whatsoever. And Sugar Creek reached out and began what was called Urban Camp. We wanted to be a part of the touching lives of these kids that that needed Jesus Christ so desperately and to change the trajectory of their lives. It was 11 years before I came here, 27 years ago, but this church rose up and did it. It was messy at times. When that first camp happened, uh, the great idea of handing out red and blue bandanas to everyone that came, but what we didn't know or what they didn't know is that red and blue represented the colors of the two major gangs in the area that we had drawn the kids from. It got messy at first. But this church kept going because there was this dream, this vision in the heart of this church that we could make a difference in the lives of others that nobody cared about. Over the course of the 27 years, it's grown from one urban camp to multiple urban camps. We've seen hundreds of kids come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, and their lives change, and now they are adults. Now they are parents of children, and we've changed the trajectory of their life because we were willing, we were willing to take the risk, willing to take the risk by faith. Oh, God, can you use us? And today, we even have a multicultural camp in addition. The multicultural camp is to reach children of refugees that are pouring into Houston from all over the world, from Buddhist background and Hindu background and Muslim background. And we're seeing these kids come to faith in Christ and their parents receiving Jesus Christ here just a few miles from this location. We're seeing this church make an impact, make a difference. Why? Because there was a dream. There was a promise from God, and there was a willingness to be obedient. You can take that all through the history of 43 years of Sugar Creek Baptist Church. 
Time after time, this church has risen up and said, oh God, even though it's hard, even though it seems impossible, God, we are willing to take the promise from you. No matter what it means, we're willing to say yes to you to trust and obey. We sit in a worship center here that was built in the, in the 1990s because a group of people that were willing to say, God, we believe this vision of this church is beyond us and beyond this generation, and we need another worship center, a larger worship center. And this worship center came into being because of the faith and the obedience and sacrifice of so many. The same is true about every building on this campus. The same is true about the campus itself. It all came because we were willing to trust and obey. Six years ago, this church made a decision, we're going to do something that seems impossible to us. Not only do we believe that God intends to raise up a church that covers this 13 acres, we're landlocked, we can't, we can't expand on this property, but we believe God wants to use us in a second campus, and we launched that second campus, and today they're filling up that campus, and as I said, have gone from 400 to 1,400 in that congregation. And today, we believe God is leading us to start yet another campus. Why? Because we have saturated this campus again. We're right back where we were six years ago. God has given us a dream as a church, a vision as a church, that we can reach the region for Christ. Our vision doesn't just stop in the Houston area. It is around the world, but it does include the Houston area, and that God could use us to touch the lives of people that are beyond the reach of this campus. We have 900 of our members that live in Richmond-Rosenberg. Richmond-Rosenberg is exploding with growth. And we believe that God can use us in touching now a yet another campus with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It means that we are willing to sacrifice for others beyond ourselves. It means that we're willing to do what the Bible teaches when it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, tell others to use their money to do good that they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always ready to share their treasure, share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. Listen to how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. He said, lay up for yourselves. Listen to the words that he gives to us. Lay up for yourselves. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. Jesus, in the context of the passage, he says, you give to the vision of God. Give to touch the lives of others. And as you're doing it, you are participating in the greatest investment program that has ever been designed, an investment for eternity. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Today, we are in these commitments. We are making, we are writing in ink an internal investment to a future generation. We're investing our lives to make a difference for others. There is a second thing that he says in the passage, and he says this. To he, God is telling us, express a passion for the unreached 
who are not yet Christ followers. Listen to what he says in Psalm 102 and verse 18. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. He is saying, I have come to a realization that God doesn't just want me to focus on me, but that God could use me to touch a generation that has not yet been born. That God could use me to touch a generation not yet created to praise the Lord. This psalm writer is praying that people he's never met and people he will never see until heaven, that his life could be used to see them come into a relationship with God. What an amazing thing. And in fact, this man is looking forward to a time in which actually Revelation chapter 5 and 7 describes for us that time in which the Bible says at the end of all of this that you and I will be gathered together with all those people of all the ages that have received Jesus Christ as Savior, even those that will come after us, we will be gathered around the throne of God one day and we will be able to look across that crowd and see people who our life touched. Every person that gets to heaven only gets to heaven through Jesus Christ. But God uses us in our witness to others, in our giving for others. God uses us to make a difference in their life that they would come to know Christ as Savior. And one of the greatest treasures of all time is to be able to stand there in the midst of this throng around the throne of God and look across the crowd. And I believe God will speak to our heart. You see that man, you see that woman, you see that person. That person is here because of you, because of your investment for eternity. He says in verse 22 of the passage, when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord, it is this moment in time. Jesus told a parable that we call the parable of the lost sheep. And listen to the parable that he gives. Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that has wandered off? This parable is a perfect illustration of how you and I came to know Christ as Savior. There was a day in which the one was you. There was a day in which the one was me. And all these people around us had come to know Christ as Savior, but the one that God zeroed in on was you. The one that He loved and went after was me. We talk about finding the Lord, but the truth is it's the Lord finding us. We talk about seeking the Lord, but the truth is it is God seeking us. God pursued you. God came after you. He came after me. And he began to speak to our heart about our need for him and our need to, to give our heart and life to Christ and to be freed from the sin of our heart. 
And by faith, he drew us to himself, and we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We were the one. So what does the passage, the parable mean? In the midst of the crowd, God never forgets about the one who does not already know him. He pursues the one. Now here is the truth today. We are recommitting ourselves to reach those still unreached. We are saying, God, you came for me. You pursued me. You came and saved me. And today, God, I am willing to allow you to use me. In my witness, in my giving, I am willing for you to use me to touch the lives of yet another person to pursue that one. We learned as we studied about Richmond Rosenberg and did some research on the city that 42% of the families in Richmond Rosenberg area are families with young children. It is a young area and it's growing younger. Younger because the truth is it is it is cheaper to live, it's cheaper to buy land, cheaper to build houses there, and so many young families are going to Richmond Rosenberg, and it is teeming with all these families with young children. And as I stopped and I asked God, show me the faces, show me what you, what is in your heart and what is in your vision for this region, I saw the faces of these little girls and these little boys, so tender hearted, these innocent children who don't know Jesus, who don't even know about Jesus. It's hard to imagine in America that there could be people that do not know about Jesus, but don't know Christ, never heard about Jesus, that we as a church in this new campus can touch and reach, and the children coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. I thought about the teenage girls and the teenage boys that are about to face all the harsh realities of life. But before they get there, you and I have the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them through this new campus and to see teenagers turn their heart by faith to Jesus Christ. I think of the moms and the dads that are just trying to grow a family and to have a marriage and raise, raise a home But the truth is there is something desperately missing. Just that we heard in the testimony at the beginning of this message, we, we, our marriage is better and stronger than it's ever been because, did you hear what she said? It is because we have finally come to understand that we need Jesus Christ at the core of our home. But that happened because this church reached out to him, to them, and they heard the gospel and they accepted Christ as their Savior. And I think of these young families in Richmond Rosenberg who are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for the first time in their life, they understand what is missing in my life is to make God the center of my heart. The change that will come in these homes. A study in Richmond Rosenberg showed that nearly 57,000 people in those two cities are not connected to a church, and most of them do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. And another 40,000 are coming. So what is God going to do? He is going to raise up churches to be planted in Richmond Rosenberg, and he is tapping on our shoulder and saying, would you be willing to let me use you? 
Would you be willing to let me use Sugar Creek to go closer to these families, touch their lives, see their lives be forever changed? Would you be willing to let me use you? This church has said, oh God, wherever you want us to go, whatever you want us to do. We went to Kenya. We went to inner city Houston. We went to Missouri City. And yes, sir, we'll be willing to go to Richmond Rosenberg. We'll be willing to let you use us there. It is a call for a passion to reach those yet unreached for the cause of Jesus Christ. There is a third thing that he tells us in the passage, and it's this. We are to join with God in the rescuing of those who are still in bondage. Listen to how he puts it in Psalm 102, verse 19 and 20. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. God is not removed from our pain and our hurt. This is why Jesus came. He came in flesh and blood to feel what we feel, to experience what we experience. And then he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, He that he might free us from sin and death. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold and silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. What this guy in Psalm 102 did not know, that as he was praying out to God, he didn't know that the fulfillment of that prayer would be Jesus Christ himself. But when Jesus came, he came to set the captives free. He came to liberate us. And I was one of those he liberated. Imprisoned in my sin, he liberated me. And you were one of those that he liberated. Imprisoned in your sin, he set you free. Amen? He set you free. There is a song we sing in, in, in the, the second and third services that is called Death Was Arrested. You remember the song? There's so many times as we're singing that song, I, I get choked up. I, I have to wipe the tears away. And here are some of the words in the song. Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt. He called me his friend when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, we're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever, amen, when death was arrested and my life began. Is that your testimony of what God has done in your life? It is mine. And now because we've been rescued, because we've been rescued, it is now our turn to be a part of God's rescue mission, to touch yet another region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning we have the opportunity to say yes to God. I'm telling you there is no doubt in my mind. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that God is calling us to do this. 
that God is calling us to eliminate the debt, that He is calling us to launch a yet a third campus out of Sugar Creek Baptist Church, that He is calling us to give to missions around the world. There is no doubt in my mind that this is the will of God for our church. Last night, Kathy and I filled out our commitment card online and we sent it in. And this morning I'm asking you, would you join us in this great mission of God to reach the region with the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm asking, would you join us? This is a defining moment for our church. And this morning I'm asking you, would you be among those who today say, yes, God. Yes, God, here am I. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you, Father, for the call that you have given to this church, for the heart that this church has demonstrated. Whatever you've called us to do, all the way to Kenyon, inner city Houston, the launching of Missouri City campus that you've blessed so much, and now the launching of yet another campus. Oh, God, use us. Your vision for us is beyond 13 acres. And God, our answer to you is yes. God, I pray that you would move among us and use us today. For the cause of Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.